HR professionals, business owners, and operations at all levels are struggling to figure out what needs to change. Our system has been shocked, practices have been questioned, and conversations are finally happening. We all know there has been a huge shift in what people want. Inclusion and diversity are common phrases, but often misunderstood. Generations are coming together more than ever on what's important. Mental health has been brought to the forefront of everyone's mind. Let's humanize these conversations. Let's talk about what's important for employees to be successful in life and at their job, and how companies can create an environment to allow them to do both. Because successful people will make up a successful workforce. I'm Leanne Lovely. Let's get this conversation started. Andrea Haran is the founder and CEO of Focus HR. Andrea developed a passion for human resource and leadership from the beginning of her career. One thing she noticed in her corporate leadership role was that she could really see the good, bad, and ugly from her managers and employees. Overcoming the bad and the ugly was a challenge she would take on, and discovering how to take the good to great made a lasting impression on Andrea. She brings those insights to her audience, her clients, and her own team each day. Andrea has over 30 years of professional HR experience. Early in her career, she was fortunate enough to work both inside and outside the U.S. in four different countries, the U.S., Argentina, Mexico, and South Africa. She enjoys sharing her business strategies, adventures, and experience with her audience around the globe. Andrea is a sought-after international speaker, top HR leadership and growth consultant, and exceptional author. After 30 years of helping businesses grow and expand their team successfully, she is now renowned for her ability to bring out the excellence in every team. With degrees in business and psychology and vast experience working with companies with less than 100 employees, Andrea has worked with teams in the United States, Mexico, and South America, and much more. Your company will grow as fast as you and your people do. To create a competitive advantage, invest in your people now, says Haran. She and her team help companies build a culture-driven company that the best and the brightest want to be a part of and stay forever. Andrea's fourth book is called The People Success Code for CEOs, Nine Secrets to Rapid Growth, A Winning Culture, and an Uncomplicating the People Side of Business. Welcome, Andrea. I am so excited to have you join me today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. Why don't you start off by telling everyone a little bit about yourself and your background? Oh, sure. Um, Andrea Haran, the owner of Focus HR. I have been doing human resources now for 35 years. Um, you don't look old enough to have been doing human resources for 35 years, by the way. Thank you so much. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mom of two teenage boys, so that keeps me young. Uh, I started Focus HR about 17 years ago and uh, for work-life balance. Um, that was my main thing, you know, and I wanted to keep doing human resources. And um, as I've grown and added to my team, for me, it's been really important that my team also has that work-life balance and it works out great. So um, as you can tell, I do run my company based on my values um, and so forth. I also recommend that to all businesses to do that because it makes life a lot easier. Um, and um, like I said, entrepreneur for 17 years. I am the daughter of an entrepreneur. I am the granddaughter of entrepreneurs. I'm the great-great-granddaughter of an entrepreneur. So um, it was actually my great-great-grandmother that kicked off the entrepreneurial spirit in my family. Oh, wow. Very uh, forward-thinking um, woman in the family. Yes, especially in the 1920s and 30s. Right. It's, yeah. Yes, that's and that's when you said great-great-great-great-grandmother? Uh, or great-great-great-grandmother. Okay. Well, yeah, definitely a, a very forward-thinking woman at that time because that typically wasn't a, something that a woman – 
would have done at that at that time. So that's that's absolutely awesome. So your yeah. your business, Focus HR, is um, you and I have spoken about it before. It focuses really. You have kind of three main buckets of things that you do. Is that correct? Yep, three buckets. Um, typically for businesses that have less than a hundred employees, um, one is like a helpline, you know, for the folks that just want to like ask questions, get answers, you know, oh my God, I can't believe Fred did this. You know, Wilma did that, you know, how do I handle it? I heard something on the news, you know, I heard about a new law or regulation being passed. What does this mean for me? Um, to projects, you know. I need a handbook. I need a, a performance management system. I need um, an audit. I don't even know if what I'm doing is the right thing or not. You know, so I actually get that quite a bit. And then lastly is, you know what? Just let us take care of the HR for you. Mm-hmm. We will handle it. We will work with you, you know, on strategy and so forth, but we will implement. We will be the contact for your managers, for your employees. So they always have someone to reach out to and we will handle it all. And so, and this is how I came up with the name Focus HR. Let us focus on the HR so you can focus on the business. And that's awesome because there are so many, um, you know, and again, not to self-promote myself, but um, it's It's the reason I came up with my business because business owners don't go into business to be HR professionals, right? And oh, yeah. And they don't have the, they don't have the knowledge, the know-how, um, there's there is a lot of complex things in HR, so outsource it to make it mm-hmm. not complex and to make sure that you're getting everything done that needs to be done, right? Crossing your your T's, dotting your I's, so that you're not missing anything, so that even and, and people don't realize this. After you've hired on your first employee, you need to have an employee handbook. Yep. And a lot of people go, well, why? I have one employee. Yeah, you have one employee. <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, in our tagline is uncomplicating the people side of business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you talk about that one employee, people are like, I only have one employee. What they forget is that once you get that first employee, you know, it's not too far. Typically, it's not too much longer that you get a second or a third or a fourth. Mm-hmm. And... I actually, if, when people know they're about to hire, that's when I actually like to do the handbook because we we talk about all, and I like working on handbooks, not so much, you know, because I think they need this big document, but it's the conversations that we have in order to make it work for them. You know, what do you want to do about holidays? How do you want to handle vacation, time off, PTO, mm-hmm. um, 401k benefits? You know, and we go through all of this stuff. You know, I'm not going to go into all the details because nobody likes that. And <laughs> I do, actually, which makes me a geek. I, yeah, there, there's a few of us that get a little <laughs> crazy about that. But by having that conversation before you even hire your first employee, because inevitably what happens is when you're recruiting and you're interviewing people, guess what they're going to ask you? Right. What's your time off policy? Which holidays do you observe? Are they paid or are they unpaid? Mm-hmm. What do you, you know, how, what about benefits? Instead of saying, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. You've actually thought about it. And by having thought about it ahead of time and having a policy that's at least a baseline, people will automatically see you as more established, more professional and more put together. Mm-hmm. But the reality could be totally different, but right. it doesn't matter. <laughs> they won't know that you're completely exactly. a mess. <laughs> so, and, and, and again, a lot of, you know, especially first time entrepreneurs, me, first time entrepreneur really, you know, get, those are things that you don't, you don't realize, you know, right now you're mm-hmm. just winging it. You're trying to just make everything work. You're just trying to put all the pieces together, frantically trying to, you know, get everything going. And so working with somebody like you that goes, wait a second, you're going to hire somebody? Well, they're going to ask these questions. They're going to want to know. They're going to want to come into, they don't want to work for a business that's, unless it's a a good friend that you're hiring, they want to work for a business that they're going to be confident is going to be there in a year. They're going to be confident Mm -hmm. is going to be able to pay the bills. They're going to be confident that 
knows their vacation policy. Are they going to be paid for the 4th of July? Are they going to be paid for Christmas? Those are things that a lot of entrepreneurs that when they're in the, you know, the, just the, I'm trying to come up with when the, they're in the muck of it, the know, muck of it, the the, of it, it doesn't come into right because they're not being paid for holidays. They're not getting, you know, vague. They, so working with somebody like you to, to, you know, basically help get them focused on yeah. those important things is, is extremely important to a successful hire. No, and then, Absolutely. And I've been down the road myself because I started by myself wearing all the hats, doing everything. You know, now I'm grateful. I've got a team of seven that support me. And um, so I understand the, the decisions, the, you know, but can I afford it? Or what does that mean? And how do I do that? And something that people forget, you know, sometimes as entrepreneurs, it's like, oh, I can't wait till I'm making so much and then I can hire somebody. Yes, that's great. But what they also forget is what it means to them to let go, how they let go, how they handle that off to, off to somebody else, and how they make sure that they haven't totally lost control. Mm -hmm. right. And I actually find that that psychological change for many is harder. You know, oh, process procedures. I get that. You know, step. We got to do this. We got to do that. You know, it's it's something definitive. It's black and white. Right. The letting go of what I used to do and give it to somebody else to do. How do I deal with that? And mm -hmm. we we'll talk through that. We will go through that. What do you need to know? You know, what would make you feel comfortable besides an update every five minutes? Right. Oh, I'm already fearing that. I I haven't even gotten close to a point in which. <laughs> I'm going to be able to hire somebody and I'm always, I'm already going, oh my God, well, nobody else can do it like I can do it. Not that I'm even that amazed. I'm not, I'm not putting myself on a pedestal. I'm just like, well, how do I train somebody to do this? Oh gosh, Leanne, get off your pedestal, get off your, you know, nobody is, everybody is replaceable. I remind myself that on a regular basis, regularly, that nothing that I do cannot be done by somebody else. But a lot of us get to a point where it's like, it's just easier to do it myself than it is to try to, and that's such the such a backwards thinking, so backwards. Because I'm I'm it I'm is. more than happy to say, hey, somebody come in and do my books. Somebody come and do my, uh, because I don't know how to do it, which means yeah. that there are multiple other things that I could just simply say, hey, come in and do this. Because every <laughs> there are multiple people out there that are better or you know, much better at all of the different tasks that I do. I just happen to, you know. Yeah. So very good point. Very good point. Okay. So. Yeah, and it's figuring out how to train them, you know, in, in right. onboarding, you know, and, and what that does is that goes back to onboarding. And people think of onboarding as just like this one time, one hour event when somebody starts. And it's like, well, yeah, if you just count paperwork, but paperwork is... <laughs> You got to get it done because the paperwork mostly is needed to get them paid. Right. You know, it's, it's getting them in the payroll system and, and all that kind of stuff. But onboarding the first two weeks of somebody's employment will set the pace for how long they stay. So the more interactive, the more support that you're showing, the more training that you're doing, you're ensuring that they're catching on, you know, you do that heavily in the first couple of weeks, they will stay with you a long time. Mm -hmm. If you just throw them into the deep end and say, Hey, good luck. I'll see you later. Guess what? Right. They're not going to be around. Right. For that long. So is it more complicated, more time consuming, more of a, you know, some people may think of it as a headache to spend all this time training with somebody up front but you have to realize that what you spend now pays off in dividends in the long term. Right. And that is, that is, it's hard for a lot of people, a lot of businesses to wrap their head around that. Um, yeah. I have seen it because I come from the recruiting world that businesses are, I just don't have time to train somebody right now. We just don't have time to train somebody right now. 
okay, you don't have time to train somebody. Where are you going to be in six months? You're going to be further behind than you are right now. But if you were to put in the two, four, six weeks now, where are you going to be in six months from now? And they just don't think of, it's the immediate, I need this done immediately. I need this done immediately. Okay. But in six months from now, you're still going to be living in the, I need this done immediately. I need this done immediately. You're still going to be constantly behind and behind and behind and behind. You need to think of big picture. And a lot of companies really struggle with that big picture of, let me get somebody in. We're going to maybe fall behind. But by the time we get this person up and running and trained, we're going to catch up. And then we're going to actually be on time. We're going to actually be able to keep up with the work and not constantly be running two steps behind all of the work that's building up. And and I've I've struggled with that as a recruiter constantly where they're just like, yeah, we're going to hold off right now. I'm pulling the trigger because we don't have time. Okay. Are you going to have time in two weeks? Nope. Three weeks? Nope. A month? Nope. Because you're always no, they going to- actually have less time. Correct. Because they're doing it all themselves. Right. And that's, and it's such a frustration for people who are trying to work with companies that are always, and, and you cannot talk sense into somebody who is all, like always in that um, reactive mode versus right. being in that proactive mode. Because that reactive is that, that fear mode. And it's, it's, yeah. Anyways, I digress. No, it's, it's, it's okay. Um, and it's true. And the thing is too, is I look back when I first started in human resources, you know, so many years ago, mm-hmm. um, it's everything had to be done, you know, in person live next to them because computers were just starting. Right. You know, right. I mean, I remember running training sessions with the overhead projectors and, and taking off the acetate, you know, to switch right. topics. And now with all the tools that are available and a lot of them are free, so it's not a cost issue, but you can start creating videos, uh, especially the things that you know you're going to be repeating all the time. Mm -hmm. And I just did this for my own business. You know, no videos more than five minutes, you know, used Canva, which you can use for free, you know, do a slideshow. And it's me explaining, you know, what the company is all about. I've got another one telling them about, you know, who our ideal client is and the kind of work that we do. Got another one about mindset because I've noticed, it took me a while to figure this out, but I figured it out eventually that I had to deal with, you know, people that I hired were coming from being in-house HR and now being consultants and that mind shift, mindset shift that they needed to, to be a consultant. So I spend time talking about that, you know, and I found this so much easier, you know, cause I could do it for the videos when I had time. Some of them were recorded late at night, some of them early in the morning, and then they could review it when they were ready to look at it, you know, and it's like, okay, once you finish looking at all the videos, let me know. And then we will hop on a call to discuss. Mm-hmm. And it has made onboarding new team members, so much easier. Right. But, you know, and they always have access to it. Mm-hmm. So once they start working with a client, they said, yeah, I had to go back. And then I'm like, oh, that's what I got to remember, you know? And... Right. Well, yeah, the world of technology allows us to, uh, and as long as those videos are not, because I've been at some companies where it's like, okay, you're going to watch this eight hours of these videos. And you're like, <laughs> my first, you know, my first day, my first, and you're like, eight hours of, and I will tell you within the first hour, your brain is checked out. It's boom. You're, you're no longer intaking. Right. But those are, those are absolutely great. And for, you know, in your world, if you're, you know, working with a business and they're like, Hey, we just need a quick, like, how do we do this paperwork properly? How do we do this properly? That's a great tool to be able to offer a client where especially forms, you know, your I-9 forms, for instance, those are, you know, forms that are like, you come in and get audited by the government and they're like, oh, nope, sorry, there's not a dash in the right place or there's not a number there's or it's missing or it's not in the right format or whatever. You're like, okay. Yeah. 
Right. You have to have those exact. Like, here's a quick two minute, here's the right form, you know, way to do it. Here's the wrong way to do it. And still have, obviously, you know, be audited by you on a regular basis as a service and that kind of thing. But those are, you know, those are great ways to do that kind of stuff. So I do it like, you know, one of the things that we also do, one of the projects is we'll help people move to um, uh, a new payroll system. Mm -hmm. Usually they're going from something really basic to something more robust. Uh, And they'll be like, well, how do I do this? So instead of trying to write an email or call them and say, okay, click here. Do you see that button? Okay, no, no, no. It's the one next to that. I can record a quick screenshot video send it to them. They have access to it today, tomorrow, a week from now, a month from now, whatever. And I always get back the same response. They're like, thank you. This is so much easier. I can see exactly what you're looking at, what you're pointing at. And and people have looked at it multiple times because especially if it's things they don't do often. Right. You know, yes, I can fill out an I-9 form blindfolded because I've done it way too many times. Right. We audit on it. But I get it. Your business, you may do it once every six months. Right. You know, so yeah, if I create a video for you, I want you to have access to it and you can always see how to do it and refer back to it. Right. Yeah. I used to, you know, I used to have people filling out those. I used to fill out three I-9s a day, sometimes more in the staffing world. It was like, it was ridiculous. So, but a business, again, some businesses hire one person a year. Some more now nowadays. But yeah. So so obviously as an HR professional, um, for as long as you've been, you've seen the good, the bad, the ugly. You you bring that up in your you know, in your bio. So do you think that, you know, things are getting better? Do you think that we are headed towards things getting better in um in the way that that HR handles things when it comes, or I guess I guess that's a tough question because we can't see the future, we can't predict the future. But with everything that has happened, obviously with cultural shifts, with people mm-hmm. being more, you know, companies trying to be more sensitive, more inclusive. Where do you see this, you know, going over the next couple of years? You know what? It's, um, I'm going to really simplify it because there's, there's so many nuances to it. Right. But what's going to happen is, first of all, human resources as a profession is really starting to come into its own now. Yes, companies have had you, human resource companies for, you know, 50 years or whatever. But there wasn't always a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, it's, so it's getting a little bit more attention. The pandemic, you know, for it's good, bad, and ugly, really brought people started to realize the value of HR to the company and to its employees and what their employees mean and how to take care of their employees. Even if they're a curmudgeon, that's like, you know, it's, they should be thankful they have a job kind of person. Mm-hmm. They still needed it to do it the right way, and they still needed to make sure that their employees were taken care of. Mm-hmm. So HR came to the forefront because we understood what the laws were saying. We were understanding what the programs were saying. We understood each state handled it differently. You know, so it's we're at the table, and as as long as the rest of the C-suite executive leadership owner, depending on the size of the, the organization, listens to HR and values HR and HR brings value. You know, you can't, nobody can have a seat at the table if they don't bring value. Right. Um, and they bring that value. You will see a change. Um, you know, each generation of employees you know, because somebody had asked me, it's like, oh, yeah, but Gen Z has got to be the worst, you know, for example. Like, they said that about the boomers. They said that about Gen X. They said that about the millennials. Now it's Gen Z's turn. Every new generation is considered the worst. 
right or entitled or too demanding you know and it's just because they are different Mm -hmm. and we also need to realize that as a generation we're the one that brought into this world the following generation so you're going to complain about them you kind of got to look at yourself (laughs) we created them yeah exactly so go look in the mirror yeah you know as a gen x raising gen z you know when people talk about gen z i'm like well yeah because i'm raising them like i was raised and my generation was raised because gen z is closest to gen x right as far as the way they look at things i mean there's obvious differences but they're the closest mm-hmm. and gen z is is a no bs kind of policy you know um which i think is refreshing you know uh, i i when it comes to the generation, I think this new generation coming into the workforce is amazing. Yeah. I, I think they are absolutely like, they just want to know like their spot. Do they have a spot at the company? And will you teach me? Will you allow me to grow? Will you train me? Will you give me what I need to grow? Because that's the expectation they have. They don't want to just be a flash in the pan. And I think that that's, I I think that's amazing. Because if you look at millennials, they were just like this powerhouse coming in being like, hey, I'm here now, promote me. And it was like, what? what?" And again, I'm, I'm, that's the everybody gets a trophy generation. (laughs) Correct. Everybody gets a trophy. And I'm part of that. I'm at the very, very tail end of that generation i i participate in the you know in soccer i got a trophy so you know here i am give me a trophy i participated but now we have a generation of you know stop you know thinking that you're going to get a pat on the back for showing up and they're like oh okay so i have to put forth the effort so they're putting forth the effort but they're asking for it. They're asking, I would like to get training. I would like to be a part of this community. I would like to. And everybody's complaining. Oh, man, they need handholding. No, they don't. They no, don't need handholding. They want to be trained. They want they training. They don't want to be in the deep end. Correct. That's what people, that's what is supposed to happen. They're supposed to, they're not supposed to act like a millennial and be like, yep, I'm here. Uh, don't bother me. Just give me the promotion and the money and I'm out the door at five o'clock. I don't want that employee. I want the one who comes in and goes, I want to learn. I want to grow. But you have to show me how to do it. And why are people complaining about this? (laughs) Because previous generations would just suffer in silence. Here's the thing. You know, even with um, millennials, they were the first ones to say, give me feedback. Yep. You know, they were the give me feedback generation. So it's like I talk to people and they're like, they're always wanting feedback. And I'm like, didn't you when you first started? And they're like, well, yeah. And I go, so the only difference with this generation is they're vocalizing what you didn't feel comfortable saying. Right. Gen Z is the same thing. We all wanted to be trained. We all wanted to be given direction. For whatever reason, we didn't say it and they're saying it. Mm-hmm. They want to have a purpose. They want to know how they fit in to the organization. Personally, I'm so glad to see that because I've been preaching that companies do that. I'm like, people need to know where they fit in. I've been preaching it for eons. Everybody's always wanted to know. What's the difference? Gen Z is vocalizing it. Right. Whereas the rest of us were just thinking it and going, oh, that would be so nice. Um, (laughs) Wouldn't it be nice if somebody would tell me what I'm supposed to do and how I'm doing it? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, and it's funny because people bring that up and I'm like, you know, but that's... everybody's always wanted these things, right? But they're vocalizing it. Where they're going a step further is Gen Z also wants their companies to take more of a social stand. Mm-hmm. That is where life gets complicated, right? But it doesn't have to be. You know, companies like individuals can have their own beliefs. You know, if your belief is, I am not going into that you know hey we do what we do we have a great time we service our clients we produce our products whatever it is that we do we don't do um social stance that's fine just let them know and then they can decide whether or not they want to be there right 
if you do take a social stance, let them know what, where that is. Right. And what is it? Is it about a particular cause? Is it a philosophy in general? You know, um, I'm trying to avoid politics, but right. you know, that kind of falls in there. But people are okay with it because everybody falls along the spectrum. That's not, you know, people try to think of things as, you know, it's either blue or it's red. It's not, you know, there's purple. And, but people just want to know because they want to be part of companies or organizations that share their values. Mm -hmm. So the more you share your values as a company and what it is that you stand for and what you want to be known as, they will, they will self-select in or out of the company. Mm -hmm. And Which, preferably during the recruitment process and not after they've started and taken up your time. Correct. And I think that a lot of the old school companies choose to not do that because they don't want um, they don't want to exclude talent. They don't want to exclude possibility of and, and the younger generation doesn't quite under some of them don't understand that yet because it is taking a risk because if especially if they are um falling on the line of any political things yeah um and 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 i think that in in business it's it's smart to stay out of the political arena because you can especially nowadays with how volatile you know it, it can get out there um yeah but you're right i i think that a lot of them they they also want to be able to take part in in volunteer work, they also want something that that was not a thing. I mean, it was a thing, but it wasn't as important of a thing when I was, especially in my early career, that was not even, I mean, occasionally a company would say, okay, we're going to have this, we're doing this event, we're all going to do it together and we're going to go volunteer. Or there was a Christmas tree that, you know, you had a, a tag on it that you could go and you could buy gifts and then you wrap them and you put them under the tree and then they donate them. That was the extent of any company that I'd, I had ever worked at getting involved in, in anything. And, and then right. now the rise of, you know, companies saying, Hey, we're going to do this fundraiser or we're going to do this event and we're going to raise funds and all of the funds are going to go to, we're going to vote on which, you know, which charity, charity. Or organization we want to support. Yeah. Correct. And that's, and that's absolutely amazing. You're seeing more and more individuals want to get involved in their community, be part of their community, not just on a social basis, but on a way to give back. And that is, that is the rise of this generation coming in, that they really want to be involved. They want to give back, um, which is awesome. And that is the doing of their parents. That is part of the way that their parents have you know, instilled in them on giving back. And, and being verbal. And even the school systems. A lot of schools, you have to have volunteer hours to graduate. And people found that they enjoyed volunteering. Right, right. And and being more vocal. I mean, I, I am very diligent with, I have a five-year-old. I'm very diligent. My audience knows this. Probably bring her up and my dog multiple times per episode. Um, my, my dog is evil. Um, he's still a puppy. He's not evil. Um, sometimes he's evil. Anyways, especially when he eats my sandals. Yeah. that It's my fault for leaving them where he can eat them, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> so he's not evil. It's just my fault. Um, being more vocal, that is also the result of the parents telling kids. You know, I tell my daughter all the time, it is okay to be mad. Absolutely okay to be mad. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be angry. But it's not okay to start screaming at mommy and telling her, you know, that, she hates her and that she's going to go in her room and never come out or that she's going to, you know, all these other random things that come out of a five-year-old's mouth that I'm like, where did she even learn that? And again, yeah. you got to look back at the parent, right? But it's because of the parents realizing that they didn't have the voice that a lot of kids growing up, I, you know, if I threw a fit, my parents were like, that's naughty and, it, you know, it, go to your room. I wasn't told that it's okay to have these emotions because they weren't allowed to have, you know, there was a time when if you were a boy and you cried, everybody was like, boys don't cry. Well, what, what is that doing to the psyche? <laughs> I mean, right, which has caused, which has caused mental health issues. Correct. You know? And, and I am so thankful that mental health has become 
more top of mind. Mm-hmm. You know, it's as a person who has reviewed healthcare and benefit plans for the last, you know, 30 odd years, I would see mental health would get like tiny amounts, Yep, which still basically puts the whole burden on the employee to, to pay for it. And now through legislation, through people realize it's, for example, it took legislation to get there, but I think insurance companies, for example, you know, the healthcare insurance companies have finally realized that preventative medicine in the long run is cheaper right. and better than trying to cure somebody after it's too late. Mm-hmm. Now, if we can get the doctors on board, sorry, this is my slam. Yeah. If we can get the doctors on board to stop handing out painkillers when somebody goes and says, I have, you know, chronic headaches, instead of saying, oh, here's some medication for your headaches and have them actually go, well, let's figure out why you have chronic headaches. Yeah. I, I mean, let's, let's, because let's take the preventative because I, I can tell you that my chronic headaches went away when I got adjusted, you know, my back got adjust, adjusted with my chiropractor. Boom. I I used to have a headache every day at three o'clock, every day. Wow. I started seeing a, a, you know, a chiropractor and I don't have headaches at all anymore. So let's start. And again, I've been on medication for years for chronic migraines. And I'm wondering now, can I get off that medication? Anyways, I digress. So if we can get if we can get that aligned, but you're right on the on the mental health, you know, I I was at one time paying $1500 a month for my medications. At a time period in my life where I could not afford that. Right. Luckily enough, you know, we still have, you know, drug companies out there that assist with individuals who have mental health problems or who are diagnosed with chronic you know, mental health, my, my being bipolar disorder. And for, so for a year, they were able to give me my medications for free. Um, but there are, there are individuals out there, you know, we need to focus on chronic diagnoses, people who were born with something, diabetes, all of these things that people that are born and come into the world who are diagnosed. This is, you know, again, this is an entirely another conversation that we could have about, <laughs> you know, the the medical fields on on the way that healthcare plans are put together. You know, yeah. I'm I'm born, I get diagnosed with something that I didn't ask for, and then you are the person who ends up paying. I, I you know what I think EpiPens at one point were like eight hundred dollars. Oh, it was ridiculous. Or, yeah. A and month. they're only good for like a month or two. So Correct. you have to keep changing them out. Right. So uh, again, I, I, when it comes to, I'm glad that, you know, preventative medicine has finally catch, caught up. Mental health, the side of mental health has finally caught up on all of those things. It's getting and, better. I think it still has some more to do to really catch up, but it's getting better. Yeah. Yeah. It's, those are absolutely, no, we have completely gone off on a, on a tangent from HR. <laughs> But you know what, though? But this is this is what I love about HR, you know, because for us, the day to day can be talking about we can go from handbooks to what do we pay people to health insurance, how to use the health insurance? Why doesn't it cover this? You know, the mental health, you know, but what about this and that to performance? And I call I've always been an HR generalist because I always say I like handing my hands in all the cookie jars. Mm hmm. And I like, and I enjoy that variety um, every day that I can easily just go from one topic to the next, to the next, and then back again. And, you know, and some more, that's to me, what makes HR exciting. Right. And that's why I love, you know, obviously I wouldn't have a podcast if I didn't love talking and having conversations like this, (laughs) like it's, there's, there's so much that goes into it. And on a regular basis, I'm sure you're having conversations with your clients when it comes to all of these different things of the best, you know, health insurance plan. And then the next conversation is your employee handbooks and an audit. And so, but before we run out of time, I do want to ask you the next question that I had, um, you know, ready for you, which is, you know, there are 
a lot of mistakes that can happen when it comes to HR, but what do you think the biggest mistake employers make that can easily be fixed when it comes to dealing with the HR world? And I, I know it's a loaded question. Again, I'm, I'm totally oversimplifying this, no. but it, it's to make a point. You know, um, in kindergarten, we all learn the rules of being in kindergarten. Mm. If you don't have anything nice to say, you don't say it. <laughs> Keep your hands to yourself. Right. You know, be polite, be respectful. I think if we just keep those rules that we learned in kindergarten in our adult lives and as we manage people and work with people, you're going to be great. You've you got 80, 80% of it is there. Mm-hmm. The other 20% is just fine tuning to maybe a few laws or whatever, you know. For example, it drives me crazy that we actually still have to give people sexual harassment training. (laughs) It drives me crazy because why do we still have to be talking to people about don't touch people, don't keep asking them out, telling them that they're beautiful and you'd like to do whatever with them is inappropriate. (laughs) I mean, honestly, folks, I I laugh. I I laugh because it seems so simple at the idea that, hey, you're in a work environment. Don't do that. Yeah. But you still have to tell people, hey, that's inappropriate. I know. Can you believe it? I know. I know they can't see me, but I'm like, you know, I know you're making, you're making, your arms are going all over the place and you're making faces. (laughs) It's, I, um, I, I completely agree with you. It's what seems to you and me and probably 75% of the people listening to this. And I say 75, which seems like a low number, but it, it really, it's not. No. Um, I, I, I even would go, it seems like an obvious thing. However, there was a client that I had years and years ago. It was a golf course. And I said, mm-hmm. You have have you have to, on a regular basis, have you know complaints when it comes to you know. You know you have these young individuals going out on these golf carts selling booze. I gotta assume you get a lot of complaints from you know the 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 beer cart individuals, and I'm gonna use individuals. A lot of us are mm-hmm. thinking in their head, you know, what. I'm avoiding saying because at one time yeah. it was predominantly females who did that job. Um, it is, is not, you know, again. Um, and I said, you know, they've got to get harassed a lot by, you know, the, the young golfers and, and the guy goes, Oh no, no, no. And no. And I went, Oh, Oh, okay, great. That's good. He goes, no, they don't get harassed by the young golfers. The old ones. And I went, Oh, he goes, all the time non-stop it is all of the old golfers and I went what oh Mm -hmm. because it was a generational thing yeah and I went ah crap how did I miss that I I I how did I not catch on to that the younger generation coming up understand that they understand that you can't make a comment, hey, you look hot in that outfit. It's inappropriate. Right. A generational, my grandpa to this day will still make comments about, you know, not obviously not me, but he'll stay, still make comments, you know, if we're at a at a restaurant, oh, she's a cute one. And I'm like, oh, God. But he's in his yeah. 70s, you know, and he's not making it to her. He's not making her uncomfortable. But that was a generational thing. They, they, it's unfortunate, but in that generation, and unfortunately, there are still a lot of, and I'm not going to say just men, it, it is not just in the men bucket. Oh, no. Men not and at all. women alike in the old, and I'm not saying it's just in that generation. I'm sure that there are plenty, there are plenty of other no, people, but, but there is yeah. a large population of people in the older generations that still make the same mistakes 
And a lot of people will brush it off and go, oh, it's just their age. But it's still inappropriate. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the nice thing is, is, you know, you talk about how the younger generation is so aware. The younger generation has been exposed, openly exposed to so many different things. Mm -hmm. Whether we're talking um, male, female, liberal, conservative, gender identity, orientation, things like that. I mean, it's... You know, like I said, I've got teenagers, you know, my boys are in high school and they're like, oh yeah, you know, it's, we see this, we see that. And I'm like, okay, I've never heard that term. What does that mean? And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, right. they see it all the time and they're like, people are just being themselves. It doesn't affect me. So why should I care? Right. And that's the way they are. I'm like, would you ever do this? And they're like, oh no. Right. Not quite. Why would I belittle somebody else? Correct. It's, it's, it's just a concept they Thankfully, they just don't get. Right. They don't understand why anybody would want to do that. Correct. And and that's the same. My daughter came home and we were talking about one of her little friends at school. And I yeah. said, oh, what, you know, what are, what about her mommy and daddy? And she says, oh, she doesn't have a mommy. And I said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. She goes, no, she has two daddies. Oh, okay, great. And for her, it's completely normal. There is nothing wrong with it. It's completely normal. For me, I'm going, oh, oh, okay. And I'm thinking, well, maybe I should ask her if she's okay with that. And I'm like, wait, no, I, I'm not going to say anything else because then it's going to seem like there's something wrong with it and she's going to wonder why exactly. I'm asking. So I just went, oh, okay, that's cool. You know, and we and we just kept on talking um, because, again, my generation is still, we're still getting used to that. Processing it. Processing it. And and we're still my generation, our generation is still processing the pronouns and we're still and while I am completely accepting and I it doesn't matter to me one way or another, um, it's still we're still in a state of processing the information to try to understand it up, you know, appropriately. Right. And the younger generation, they're they're growing up in it. They're in the thick of it, the same way that I was and you and you know, the older generation was in the thick of, of, you know, I mean, I saw, I had friends who were experimenting with the same sex at that time. And my parents were like, Oh, my God, no, 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 that's not. Or my parents actually were really forward thinking and didn't care. My grandparents would have been like, (laughs) you know, Oh, my God, that's, that's not appropriate. You know, that's completely, again, each generation shifts to be more accepting of the next. And so at some of these employers who are, you know, are much older and trying to shift with all of the dynamics of the different younger generation coming in, I would not want to be in corporate HR anymore. (laughs) The thing is, it gets confusing. You know, like one of the things I, I liken it to is computers. You know, it's I'm Gen X. A home PC came out in my generation when I was in high school. Right. I like to think of myself as computer literate, but I'm sure there's tons of stuff that I don't know Mm -hmm. still, you know, whereas this current generation doesn't know what it's like not to be without a computer, including the one that's in their hand. I mean, cell phones are just small computers. Right. You know, they grew up with all that. So to them, it's absolutely normal. You know, so while the rest of us are still trying to process that I don't have to remember phone numbers anymore because now I've got them in my phone, you know, we're still processing that. It's it's a, it's the same kind of thing, you know. It's right. You know. Yeah. I I I um I asked we were watching Honey I Shrunk the Kids with my daughter for the first time. And there's a scene in the beginning where the the girl is on the the phone that's hooked to the wall and it's got a cord on it. And I my husband looks at my daughter and goes, "Honey, do you know what that is?" And she goes, oh, "Yeah, daddy, it's a phone." And I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, she, you know, she's seen she's seen them before and she's got a toy that looks like that." And I was like, "Well, at least she knows what it is." <laughs> but who has a phone that's hooked to a wall anymore? <laughs> It's, it's it's very rare. Like, I don't know if you've seen those videos of like, they put like teenagers in a room with a rotary phone right. and they're saying, call somebody and they're all looking at it going, well, it's, and they, they're like, 
the butt, you know, and it's, it's funny to watch when you know how it's supposed to work and right. they can't figure it out. Like they dial like numbers, they dial some numbers, then they lift up the receiver. <laughs> Which means they haven't done anything. Oh, is that funny? Well, we are coming to time and I want to respect that. So um, I'm going to ask you the question of the season. Sure. Um, what do you think will go down in the history books from what the world has experienced over the last three years? I think history will talk about these last three years with not just events here in the U.S., but worldwide about the great divisions you know it's you either this or you're that and the lack of compromise or willing to compromise you know being evident we uh the pendulum is really swung towards nope you're either with us or against us kind of thing mm -hmm. i mean with anything even on the international stage you know we can talk about russia and all that kind of stuff it's either you're with us or against us. So I'm looking forward to when the pendulum switches back, moves back towards more cooperation. That's very interesting. I, yeah, I have it's a... funny because, you know, every once in a while, my kids would be like, it would be just so much easier if everybody thought the same way. And I said, I go, no, it would be boring. Yes. And I go, because if everybody thought exactly the same way, there would be no innovation. Right. There would be no change. We'd still be living the same way we did, you know, 100 years ago. So differences are great. It's what makes us thrive. But what we've lost sight of is how to actually have conversations around differences. You know, we're, we're not having conversations around differences. We're having arguments, mm -hmm. which arguments nobody wins. Right. If somebody wanted to reach out to you, how would they go about contacting you? Oh, very easy. I can, you can go to my website. There's a contact us form on there, you know, focushr.biz, B-I-Z. You can email me at Andrea, A-N-D-R-E-A, at focushr.biz, or call me, you know, in my uh, phone number is 773-531-8199. Excellent. This has been an awesome conversation. I really appreciate you joining me today. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just been, it's been amazing. It's, it's been great. I could talk for a few more hours, but we won't do that to your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to Let's Talk HR. I appreciate your time and support. Without you, the audience, this would not be possible. So don't forget that if you enjoyed this episode, to follow us, like us, or share us. Have a wonderful day.